Heavenly Father, today we break bread. Today we drink from the cup. Today we praise you. And we say with the man by the side of the road as Jesus passed by. Lord, have mercy on me. A sinner. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Well, if you had breakfast this morning, I don't mean to bring that up, but uh, as we're singing about breaking bread and drinking the cup, it's close to our minds. I have my breakfast bars there. Barbara's guarding them for me. And uh, I sort of eat breakfast all morning. I grabbed a little bit of yogurt on the way out the door, but I was planning to make oatmeal when I got here. The problem is I haven't figured out that uh, uh, that microwave yet. And so um, I, it sort of made a mess and uh, I didn't get much oatmeal out of the deal. But uh, I was thinking as I prepared all of that, that in his popular book, William Paul Young uh, paints an interesting portrait of God in the kitchen. Imagine God in the kitchen cooking scrambled eggs and pancakes and uh, supper. And this man who has lost his daughter in a tragic uh, accident finds himself in the company of God in the very shack where his daughter lost her life. And he finds God's presence and fellowship and food in this sort of vision that he has. And it's not uh, necessarily theologically accurate at all points, but it's an interesting picture, isn't it? What if God really cooked a meal for us? What would it be like, you've heard of the other kitchen, to be in heaven's kitchen, to be in a place where God provided for his people? And did you know that Jesus cooked breakfast For his disciples in John chapter 21, verse 4, heaven's kitchen. Would you open God's word with me? John 21, verse 4, this amazing story. Let's stand together as we read God's word, as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper today. John 21, verse 4, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. And Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these Yes, Lord, he said, you, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. 
The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. You may be seated. God feeds his people. You can read it from the beginning of the story. I saw it in Genesis this week in the Garden of Eden. All of those trees, except one, were available to God's people. And when Moses led them out into the wilderness, didn't God feed them? What does the psalmist say? The food of angels. They ate manna that fell from heaven. In Isaiah chapter 55, God says, come and eat and drink. You don't have to have any money. You don't have to have your little colored ticket that you give to the people at the door. Just come and eat without price because God gives seed to the sower. God gives food to the eater. God provides food. We see it in the ministry of Jesus. We see it in his parables. He teaches about great banquets and compares the kingdom of heaven to a great feast. And we see it when he feeds the 5,000 and then the 4,000. And he's amazed at his disciples when they're perplexed as he says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And he says, and they say, oh no, we forgot to bring bread. And Jesus says, do you really think I'm worried about bread? Didn't I feed 5,000? Didn't I feed 4,000? Can't I feed you? And on the night before he was crucified, this is my body, he said as he broke the bread. This is my blood as he held up the cup. He, he fed his disciples. And it doesn't stop there. Just to show us that our Lord was bodily raised from the dead, there are at least three encounters after the resurrection where Jesus eats with his disciples. He breaks bread at Emmaus and then they see him, Luke 24, verse 30 says. And in Luke 24, verse 41, a little bit further down, Jesus comes into the room with all the disciples and he looks at them and says, don't you have anything to eat? See, that's what he asked them there when he's on the shore. Don't you have any fish? It's a terrible question to ask fishermen who've been fishing all night long. Do you, ha, do you read it in the NIV? Haven't you any fish yet? It's like somebody saying to you, haven't you any electricity yet? It's a terrible thing to say to somebody. You know, haven't you any fish yet? And they say, no, we'll just cast on the other side of the boat. And they do. Because it stirs a memory deep in their minds from Luke chapter 5. We remember the story of when Peter first met Jesus. Oh, how it was that day when Jesus needed a pulpit. And so Peter provided his boat. And, and Jesus sat in the boat and taught the people on the shore. And then said to Peter, go fishing again. And Peter said, we've been fishing all night. I'm kind of tired of fishing. And Jesus said, no, no, go. And he went and he caught that great multitude of fish. And he said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. And Jesus said, from now on, you're going to catch people. Not fish. Come and follow me. And that's where it all began for Peter. And all of that must have been. That tape must have been playing in his mind. When they cast that net again. Early that morning. Because the stranger on the shore told them what to do. And then as soon as they caught a great catch of fish. John who was always perceptive. Said it's the Lord. And Peter who was always impulsive. Put on his coat and jumped in the water. And swam to shore. And got there and stepped up on the shore to find a fire made of charcoals. That beautiful word in Greek is the same word that is used of that night when Peter stood by the fire and three times denied 
that he knew Jesus. Peter might have thought at this point, this is a setup. <laughs> here I am. The last time I stood by a charcoal fire, it didn't go very well. And here I am. And there's the very man that I betrayed. He knew who he was. And he wants to do anything but talk to Jesus. You ever felt that way? He wants to do anything. He's still running in his guilt. And, and Jesus says to him, why don't you bring your fish? Yes, I, he goes and gets the whole net himself because he would rather work than talk with Jesus. But Jesus doesn't let him off the hook, does he? He feeds this fisherman. And then there by the fire, he issues a recall. He calls Peter again. In spite of what Peter has done, he is useful in the kingdom of God. What if God fed us breakfast? What if we came to heaven's kitchen? What would that be like? What would God feed us? Anybody here want fish for breakfast? That didn't sound very appetizing to me. I remember the first time I ate this kind of fish beside the Sea of Galilee. We were in a restaurant in Tiberias. St. Peter's fish. They said, same fish that Jesus caught. Same fish that Peter caught. Oh, this will be great. You know what kind of fish it is? Tilapia. I'm not making this up. That's the kind of fish. Anytime you go to a restaurant, you can eat the same kind of fish Jesus did. Tilapia. I was so excited. I said, yes, I'll have St. Peter's fish. And they brought it. And it was lying there on the plate looking at me. This was not good. I can't eat things that are looking at me. I finally covered up its head with the napkin. I just, you know, I just couldn't do it. And here Jesus is beside the shore and 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 Peter walks up on the shore and and there's a fish. Jesus has already caught fish. We don't know how, but there's fish there on the fire. And Jesus invites them to breakfast and he feeds them. And I suspect if we found ourselves in heaven's kitchen today, we would discover the real comfort food is not some snack that we picked up on the way out of town for the hurricane, not something we've been eating all week just to sort of forget the fact that we don't have electricity. I think if you and I found real comfort food, it would look a lot like bread. It would taste a lot like the fruit of the vine coming from a cup. Father Jinka was one of those captives over there in Lebanon held by Shiite terrorists for 19 months there with four others, among them Benjamin Weir, the Presbyterian minister. And he said the best moments they had together were those moments when they hoarded the little crumbs of bread that were left over and had their little cups of water. There was no grape juice or wine. And they would take the bread and say, Jesus said, this is my body. And take the cup and drink and say, this is my blood which is shed for you and it comforted their souls. There is a food that consoles our souls. It's in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ who gave his very life for us. Yes, who died and yes, who is risen from the dead. And Jesus feeds his disciples from heaven's kitchen that day. But in heaven's kitchen, it's not enough just to eat, not enough just to feed on God's food. We must come to the place that we put on our aprons and begin to feed other people. And Jesus offers that opportunity to Peter. Peter's not looking for that opportunity. When he sees the, the fire made of coals. As it's described so vividly in Greek. As he sees that fire. He remembers the times that he denied Jesus. And he can still smell the smoke on his clothes. As he was singed by the fire that night. As he denied Jesus three times. But there's something different in this fire. As Jesus begins to talk with him. I think Peter said at the beginning of this chapter, I go fishing because he didn't feel worthy to fish for people anymore. He was reminded of his three time failure and he had still not made that right with Jesus. And I think Jesus invited him to the table because, frankly, they needed to talk. 
And sometimes it's at the table that we have our best conversations. I read this week Phil Hook's story about when he was in college and he was mad at his mom and wouldn't speak to her. and She just didn't understand him. He was still living at home and he would come home at night and, and go down in the basement to get away from her and study. And she would come down the stairs and say, can I make you a sandwich? And the first time he, he grunted yes. And then after a while he came to look forward to those uh, fried bacon and egg sandwiches that she would make for him every night until he left home. Years later, he said, why did you cook a, 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 an egg and bacon sandwich for me every night? She said, if you ever talk to me at all, it was when I was making that sandwich for you. Jesus needs to talk to Peter. And after they eat, Jesus just asked him a question. Anybody ask you this lately? Do you love me? Do you love me? If you see it in the NIV, it captures the Greek there. Do you truly love me? It's the word agape. Jesus says, do you agape me? And notice that Peter doesn't say, I truly love you. He says, I love you in Greek. I follow you. I love you like a brother. Jesus, you know, we're brothers. I love you like a brother, Jesus. But do you truly love me? Do you agape love me? Lord, you know, I love you like a brother. And Jesus finally says the third time, do you really love me like a brother? Is this the way brothers treat each other? Denying each other with fishermen's oh swearing by the fire but jesus invites him to another fire that day with a coal like the coal that cleansed uh, isaiah's mouth in isaiah chapter 6 philip finds sanctification and redemption there by the fire it's eating breakfast with jesus that brings him back to the place where god can recall him again into ministry has that happened to you from time to time we all need a recall. I was invited this week to go back to uh, Pleasant Grove, the first church I ever served as pastor back when I was a teenager up in Falls County. The first deacon, Bunce Walston, he and his wife Edna, had had me in their home the first Sunday that I had preached. I was just a supply preacher. I wasn't really a candidate for the job. They'd already called another preacher. I was just filling in for two weeks until he got there and they fed me the meal that day. I'm sure it probably was something of an inconvenience, though they didn't let on like it was. I was supposed to be teaching at HBU on Wednesday. But something called me back to go back and preach the funeral there. And so Matt filled in for my class and I went up there. And and when I got there, I realized I was there for a reason. There was the the fellowship and the, the uh, you know, all-you-can-eat buffet that they prepared with the potluck dinner. And same recipes, same salad, same food, 27 years later, same people. Somehow I had aged and they had not. I'm not sure how that works. And I sat down to eat with them. And there was this flood of memories as I stood in the funeral home, as I talked about Bunce's life, as we went out to Powers Chapel where they have Decoration Day celebration under the brush arbor where once I'd been invited back to preach on Memorial Day there. And and I stood there beside the grave with Johnny and Jerry Smith, the first two young men I ever baptized in my life, six foot eight, six foot four. They almost baptized me that day, but there I was with them again, standing there, 138 and 141 now. And we stood there and we talked and we remembered. And they reflected on those years of ministry there. And I remembered. What it was like to preach before I had a bachelor's degree or a master's degree or a Ph.D. When all I had was a calling. When all I had was the word of God. And somehow week after week, God would take the meager sardines and loaves that I would bring. And multiply them and feed his people. And as I drove back to Houston that day, I thought, oh, God. 
Would you do it again? Would you bring us back to that place where we come back to the fire? Where we come back, Lord, to the place where perhaps we have failed you, but now you forgive. And we start over again next Sunday in a brand new building. Could we be brand new people in a brand new building? Could our hearts be made new? Could we be forgiven of the failures? Could we be delivered from the denials, from the times when we should have spoken up for Jesus, but somehow failed to? Could we feast again in heaven's kitchen and remember the sumptuous feast that Jesus gave all of his all to provide? When I met Bruno, our new chef from France, I was reminded of Babette in Itzhak Denison's little story, Babette's Feast. This French chef who had cooked for nobility, but then was called upon, hired by two elderly sisters in Denmark in an austere religious community. All they wanted every night was boiled fish and potatoes. And all she wanted was to cook for them a great feast. Every year she bought one lottery ticket back in France, hoping that she would win the lottery so she could go back to France and cook real food again. And one year, miracle of miracles. I guess it would be a miracle. I don't know. If you won the lottery, would it be a miracle? I don't know. I'm not going to comment on that. <laughs> but for her, it was a miracle. And 10,000 francs, enough to go home to Paris. But before she went, she said, could I cook you a real meal? Oh, you shouldn't. I want to. Oh, you couldn't. Oh, please let me. Oh, go ahead. But they secretly vowed not to enjoy the food. Until the caravans of exquisite food came in. Quail and cages and and all kinds of, of wonderful food. And she began to prepare and they could smell it. And somebody smiled, but they didn't let anybody know. And they sat down to eat the turtle soup. And then they began to eat the quail. And somebody laughed and and somebody smiled. And somebody put an arm around somebody and said, but didn't Jesus tell us to love one another? And the whole community was transformed into a community of love. By a single meal. And afterward one of the sisters said. Babette we're going to miss you around here. And she said you won't miss me. I'm not going anywhere. But I thought you were going back to Paris. To be a chef there. She said no I spent all of the money. On the feast. And I remember that Jesus. When he was on that cross. Was giving all. Of his all. So if you had said to God in that moment. Can't you give me something else. He would have said, I have nothing left to give. And he did that. Not only so that you and I could come and dine in heaven's kitchen. But so that you and I could learn what it means to feed others. Simon, son of John, do you love me? How can Jesus ask him that? Not once, not twice, but three times. And finally, Jesus says to him, then feed my lambs, shepherd my little sheep. It's in the diminutive in Greek. Feed my little sheep. And I thank God for Barbara Jay and the kitchen committee who serve so faithfully. They're always feeding us something around here. We eat at Heaven's Kitchen all the time around here. And I'm thankful for those Bible study teachers who open the word of God and feed the truth. To God's people. But I was wondering as we thought about God's sheep. What if God's sheep were preschoolers? Or children? Or youth? Or single adults? Or married adults? What if God's sheep that you need to feed. 
were people that you hadn't even thought of until just now. And if God said to you, would you serve me? And you said, but wait a minute, don't you remember the mistakes I've made? The times I've fallen. And he said to you, you are forgiven. Go and sin no more. And feed my sheep. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the bread of heaven that feeds us until we want no more. Thank you, Lord, for the cup of grace from which we have all received. Lord, remind us today of the taste of forgiveness. And Lord, have mercy on us. For we have sinned. In Jesus' name. Amen.